Just a quick word before we start. This episode is part of our Session Zero character creation session. It's a good time to get a feel for the cast and learn where some of the characters have been before the beginning of our story, and also get a glimpse at the system. But if you want to jive straight into the adventure, our first regular episode is already in the feed, The Sinking Star, Part 1. Whatever you choose, I hope you enjoy. Welcome to our Session Zero for Endeavor, a Star Trek Adventures actual play. I'm Brandon, the GM for this show. Over the course of this show, using the role-playing game Star Trek Adventures, we will bring you the continuing mission of the USS Endeavor and her crew. We're jumping a few decades after the events of Star Trek Picard to the year 2420, as Starfleet rolls out the brand new USS Endeavor, a prototype vessel that will lead a new era of seeking out new life and new civilizations. Tonight, we will be creating the characters who crew the Endeavor. So without further ado, let's meet our cast of players. Hi there, everybody. Uh, My name is Christine. Hi, I'm Leah. Hello, I'm Brad. Hi, I'm Nicole. So tonight we'll be going through the character creation for our characters for the show. In Star Trek Adventures, the character creation follows a life path system where we get to see how characters evolve to become the people they are at the beginning of their adventures. Through that, we'll get to learn more about who the characters are and where they've been before we get to see where they're going to go. To boldly go. Yes, boldly go, ideally. As we go, we'll also touch on some things that are important for character backgrounds and especially bits that maybe are um, things that have happened since the most recent canon of TV shows and movies. Since we're a little bit out in the future, we'll be doing some of our own stuff, but I think it'll be fun. And this way we can learn about what that's going to look like and what's going to be important to our characters. We're going to do one character at a time, guided by the, the player who's making that character. I do still encourage everybody to be part of the discussion, especially as it may pertain to ways your characters may relate. Whether they know each other before session one of, of play begins, or, or whether it's just sort of a, a maybe thought about how they might eventually play off of each other. So we're going to start with the most experienced character, our captain, who will be played by Nicole. Every character starts with just sevens across the board for their attributes, the numbers that kind of define who they are intrinsically, things like how smart they are, how courageous they are, how charismatic they are, and a one in disciplines, which are all of our characters' learned skills, the things that they will be using to solve problems. Uh, So, Nicole, we've got to start first and foremost with what species does your character belong to? Uh, Jolan True, everyone. I'm going to be playing a Romulan. This is kind of a new thing for Starfleet, uh, but because of the uh, chaos in the Romulan Empire, as we uh, glimpse a little bit in Picard and other things, some Romulans have, I guess, found their way into the Federation. Some Romulans were relocated by Admiral Picard and... uh, do have a reason to grow up within probably what is new Federation borders or have some reasons to want to join Starfleet. So to start with, um, I actually was using the character creation website that's provided by Modifius uh, through the Star Trek Adventures um, resources. And Under the Romulan species, um, it does have the default attribute bonuses of plus one to control, plus one to fitness, and plus one to reason. So Romulans are very uh, precise, reasonably fit, and... uh, Smart? Smart. Well, it's not just smarts, but it's certainly, I guess they're rational. So you get the species trait of Romulan. Traits don't do anything uh, specific, but any time that your character may encounter a situation where being a Romulan helps or hinders them, that trait could come into play. Uh, The other thing you may get from this is a talent. Talents give you special mechanical effects, and many talents are 
corresponding to species and the cultures they come from. There is no Romulan talent. However, uh, we discussed this and we decided to go with a Cardassian talent, uh, suspicious by nature. That sounds very Romulan. I guess everybody's got to stay on their toes, huh? Um, I just like to like to play with the idea that Romulans do have that streak of paranoia, whether or not they grow up in a trusting environment. That makes perfect sense. All right, so our next step is to figure out what kind of homeworld you come from and how you grew up. So you already kind of talked about Romulans being relocated. Was your character part of those relocation efforts? Yes. Uh, my character grew up on a interspecies colony. It will be a frontier colony, and it is known as Karaya. Karaya 4. This is a planet we've seen in uh, Star Trek The Next Generation before. Uh, in the the two-parter Redemption. Uh, in the show, it's a Klingon and Romulan, well, converted prison into a colony. And we're just extrapolating based on that mix that more species would be available and it'd be an excellent place for Romulan refugees to have settled into. So given that you're coming from a frontier colony, a couple things you get at this step. Value is one of them, and we'll talk about that in a moment because that's like the more significant, I think, character bit here. But let's knock out the numbers things first. From the frontier colony, I will gain plus one to my control and plus one to my security discipline. How did your character learn to be more controlled? Kariah is a very uh, dense, nearly jungle type of environment. And for control, that's going to be climbing a lot of trees. <laughs> Fair enough. So the other thing you get here is a value. Values are beliefs the characters hold. They can be kind of any sort of chunk of a phrase or something. Ideally, something that can kind of help them or, or sometimes hinder them a little bit under stress. Beliefs that may, over the course of our story, be tested. The value I gain from Kariah 4 is that history's enemies can be today's friends. It's a fantastic value. It, it does seem pretty good and certainly fitting for the fact that you're a Romulan character, a species that is historically an antagonist of the Federation. So the next thing you pick is your upbringing. Upbringing represents how you were raised, not just where you were raised. So it can be things like if your parents were from Starfleet or if they were merchants or whatever else. So tell us a little bit about your character's upbringing. Uh, the upbringing I chose was just reskinned. It was originally Starfleet, but I chose that to instead be Star Empire. Oh, okay. So you're... Your character's parents were, were they current or, or former members of the uh, Romulan Navy? I believe at least one of them was a former Tal Shiar, and the other one is a currently the daughter of a former senator. Neither of those things can go bad for us. Not, not at all. Cool. Thanks, Captain. <laughs> so, so that's why we're getting far away from uh, our starting point. That's why Starfleet's like, you, no, you go on this ship. <laughs> okay, so uh, a part of upbringing in this step of creation is not just what your parents were and, and thus how you were brought up, but whether you leaned into that and followed their lead or perhaps rejected their ideals out of you know probably angsty teenager stuff let's be honest but hey we all have our reasons in this case uh we are rebelling against the idea of the star empire so i took the plus two to my daring and plus one to insight is there anything in particular that you think made your character rebellious uh the idea here being that it's more the um the status quo of the old Romulan ideals that she's rebelling against, uh, thus moving in the direction of Starfleet. So maybe what what she witnessed of Starfleet operating around the relocation and everything and saw that as kind of an ideal to work towards, maybe, or something to that effect? 
Yes, uh, there is going to be a, a, a little bit more when I tie another future value in with another character. Super. But uh, this is the results of that decision. So. so another thing that your Starfleet, or rather Romulan Star Empire t- upbringing, lets you do is you get to increase one of your disciplines of your choice. For this, uh, the discipline is plus one to command. Okay, cool. Learning some leadership, some diplomacy, that kind of thing. And you also get to pick a focus. Now, focuses are um, kind of the specialties, the areas of knowledge that your character has special expertise in, and thus will get additional bonuses when they come up over the course of the adventure. At this time, she took a focus in hand-to-hand combat. (laughs) Did she get in a lot of fights? Or was it like an after-school program? (laughs) There were probably a few fights, but most of this probably comes from being actually trained by one of her parents. I I mean, like, they're going to let her go out into the wide Federation-filled world without being able to defend herself. I mean, there's Klingons there, right? Or there were maybe Klingons there? There actually are Klingons there, yeah. (laughs) You got to know how to punch a Klingon. Just be careful about where you punch him. You might send them the wrong message. Yeah. That's why you have to know how to punch a Klingon. And then you get a talent out of this upbringing. This one, I struggled with a little bit. I went back and forth. I ended up picking Cautious Command. And I did that to reflect the more strategic mentality that's ingrained in Romulans, how they try to think several steps ahead. That idea of trying to think through your decisions uh, as you're making them. See, I have a question for Nicole. Because of your, uh, well, because of your parents uh, being from the Romulan Empire and their positions in that, and you rebelling against them, are you still in contact with them, or are they have they passed, or what's going on with that? They're all still around. My parents are still on Karaya Four. However, my grandfather, who was the Romulan senator, I'm actually leaving that a little bit open to interpretation. I don't see that he necessarily settled with us so much as found his way off on his own. But I expect that, you know, he could come back around or influence certain matters. <laughs> is he somebody who would have been in your character's life at all? Or is it just somebody that you're, you know you're related to? I'm sure I would have met him a few times. But I don't imagine that he would have been around like every year for for holidays. Speaking of that, like something that we've only gotten to glimpse a little bit canonically in Picard and stuff. Also, spoiler warning for Picard, I guess, since in some of this discussion, probably is that it's a little unclear what the state of the Romulan Empire is circa Picard, which is, again, about 20 years before our game. But clearly some Romulans are still in some something resembling what the Romulan Empire was. Do you think your character's parents, would they have sort of gone back to Romulan service? No, absolutely not. My parents are happy to stay in Federation space. My grandfather probably is trying to regain political power. Do you need names, Brandon? Because I have some. Um, if you've got them. Uh, it's certainly valid to throw them out here in this conversation. Uh, the senator or former senator is uh, Van Duth. My mother would be Pytrick, and my father is Jalmi. So at some point, your character reached the age that it was time to seek out what they were going to do with their lives. And presumably, s- since they're a character in this game, The answer to that was Starfleet Academy. Yes. So pretty young for Starfleet Academy standards at about 16, 17 is uh, when I was accepted into the Academy. And it was pretty, um, it was pretty obvious that went through the command track. (laughs) She was just so good at bossing people around. I had a lot of experience at that point. (laughs) What was captain always their aspiration? No, a captain, my character is... Someone who doesn't see themselves remaining in Starfleet for their whole life. This is just uh, the time and place where she is. So being in the command track gives you a few things. Again, let's hit the numbers things first, and then we can talk more substantively about the value part. So a plus two to my presence and a plus one to daring. So that makes you a a good diplomat and commander. And also, you know, you're not going to back down from a dangerous situation. A plus two to command, a 
plus one to con, and a plus one to engineering. Good ship-based training. Lots of time in the simulator, I assume. <laughs> yes. Uh, you also get three focuses. So the focuses from the academy are going to be cultural studies. I think she really likes being in a in a mix of cultures and species and is very interested in, in seeing more. Like, she grew up with a lot of different cultures and she has a taste for that. Strategy and tactics. I think that's just a natural fit for her. And also team dynamics. So working with uh, smaller groups, directing things, and being kind of a, a more effective unit. And and your character, I presume, based on their age, will probably have been in the Academy near the events of Picard, temporarily speaking? Between 2401 and 2405 were my Academy years. So that's just after Picard, which is 2399. So you're maybe still in an academy program where like Starfleet's a little more of a military mm-hmm. organization and not so much the exploratory arm of the Federation that it sometimes has been in this golden age. So that maybe makes sense for having like while you have strategy and tactics and things, they may be training you on that basis. Yeah, might have been just a, a reflection of the time. You know, what if the board come back, et cetera? That would never happen. And you get a talent here as well. The talent I am taking is decisive leadership. I think that there were a lot of instances where my character was put in charge of, you know, the training squads um, or just had a lot of experience there. That's actually one of the talents I'm, I'm more excited to take out into the game. And finally, from the Academy, a another value some belief that you gained at the academy or because of your time at the academy my influence or my character's influence is very much reading like autobiographies of like captain pike so the value i'm taking here is starfleet is a promise nobody gets left behind i especially like our captain having that value that's might benefit us (laughs) if we get stuck somewhere super i like that a lot also team dynamics you must have had the best group projects (laughs) <laughs> I have a couple questions that are not mechanical, but maybe inform some of who your character may be. One of them is, by the time your character was at the Academy, how many Romulans do you think were in Starfleet? How common was it to see a Romulan at the Academy? So given given the context that this is just, just shy of where Picard is ending, I'm guessing that she's not the first one, but certainly one of the first. So Romulans were rare, but you're not necessarily... The only one. Pretty rare. Finally, since you were command track, and if you do not have an answer for this yet, I understand. What did she do when she took the Kobayashi Maru? The Kobayashi Maru in in this case, I think was a pretty abysmal failure. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That... Um I have a feeling this is one of like the the absolute worst case scenario possibles. <laughs> they've got a scoreboard on the wall and at the very top is james t kirk of course because he cheated Mm -hmm. yeah and they just like walk over with a magnet with your name on it and stick it at the bottom with a negative number attached to it so 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 here's my (laughs) question then what went wrong what it like you know you can learn from your mistakes where do you think you you went wrong captain i think i overthought it a lot like i tried to make all those contingency plans but then in the moment if you have too many plans and then backups upon backups your crew actually gets confused and they can't read you so that was the situation Mm -hmm. there was a disconnect between uh the command and the crew that i eventually had to learn from and overcome and sort of develop those team dynamics to then eventually retake the Kobayashi Maru or maybe I didn't take it again but that I obviously learned that lesson from it I mean it's a no-win scenario nobody beats the Kobayashi Maru but yeah I think that's that's what I learned um was just that I need to be more in touch with my team and not try to look at everything as a you know 3D chess game so after graduating your character took off on their Starfleet career so the next couple things are 
based upon what you've done already. Since your character is going to be the captain of the ship, you've clearly got quite a bit of time under your belt already. Uh, yeah, nearly nearly 14 to 15 years of Starfleet experience at this point. Is it safe to say you're probably a veteran officer? Um, I'm actually still an experienced officer, and there there's that for a couple of reasons, but... So my thought is here, uh, while Endeavor's not going to be my first command, it's still only my second command. So I don't quite want to be veteran yet, but that might be something to think about changing in, in the long term. So You've got a lot of Starfleet experience, but you don't necessarily have a lot of command experience. Correct. And uh, my character's only in the mid-30s, so it's not quite hit that point of... Pretty young for a captain. Not unheard of, but pretty young. So as an experienced officer, you get an additional talent and an additional value. Uh, things that you have picked up over the course of your career. The talent is going to be crisis management security. And the value is be bold, be brave, be courageous. I like that. That sounds like one I can make make you regret sometimes. Make me do all kinds of things, yes. <laughs> It definitely suits that uh, more daring nature as well. And it's nice. It seems like a nice contrast, Nicole, from what you've set up some earlier with like the control and the cautious and stuff. It seems like this character is a little bit more. Um, Maybe balanced. she overlearned the lesson from the Kobayashi Maru. <laughs> <laughs> no such thing. The, the next and really last big step of character creation is career events. Each character gets a couple career events. Do you, I guess question one, all of these steps can theoretically be randomized, but this is the most fun one to randomize. So do you, are you going to want to randomize this or have you chosen the things you want to have happened? I've already chosen my career events. Um, I've gone through a few rough drafts of this character and there were a couple that I did randomize, but the, the ones I settled on finally, I actually did pick. So the, the first event was First Contact, actually. That's the number 20 in the list. And the situation happened about nine years from when we start, like nine years ago. My character was captured by a species that uh, are going to be called the Simbri. They actually had a bit of a resentment towards Romulans being formally subjugated. And uh, they weren't quite uh, discerning with who they were capturing because they, they were just picking out everybody with pointed ears. Uh, amongst myself, they also captured a fellow Vulcan Starfleet officer and then uh, a few other like civilian Romulans. And then it turns out that while we're in captivity and uh, I'm trying to organize an escape event, the fellow Romulans in that captivity with us were actually a uh, subspecies of Romulans that had been thought to have been lost to the ages. Um, so that's something that's been referenced in Star Trek here and there. They're kind of minor and they are called the uh, De Bruyne. And basically, they're just something I imagine is like kind of how Romulans are to Vulcans. These are these are to Romulans what they are. So I made first contact with them and uh, we did come to like a pretty good agreement. We escaped together and they later on went to resettle their planet and the Federation now has ties with them. So. That was my first uh, first career event. And then from that, I took the focus of first contacts. Understandable and probably useful to have on a pioneering mission into unexplored space. Yes. Uh, also with a plus one presence and plus one security for that tied to that event. Makes sense. So what was your other career event? The other career event, I went with the bracketing. So the other career event was number one. Uh, my ship was destroyed. All right. So this happened just a couple years ago, actually. So the ship, the uh, USS de Havilland, has been her longstanding assignment. She, it was her first assignment out of the academy. She 
ranked up through it, has served as the chief of security, has served as the, you know, executive officer, and even served as the captain of this vessel. So it was your first command. It was my first command, yes, uh, and a ship that I dearly, dearly was attached to. However, (laughs) due to a, a very dangerous spatial phenomenon, my ship and another ship one that we were typically paired up with for patrols, the USS Takedo. Uh, we were both stuck in a spatial phenomenon, and the only way of getting anybody out was to blow up one of the warp cores. Well, mine wouldn't jettison, so my ship had to be sacrificed. So that was something that uh, that led to me taking <laughs> probably a year of leave and then coming back and coming back to a brand new ship in a brand new role. Mm-hmm. Did you get your crew out? Yes. Actually, the majority of my crew did make it to safety because there was that extra ship. The mm-hmm. steam runners are a bit bigger. They obviously had plenty of room for... Okay. So that bumped your daring and your security and you get a focus. What focus did you get out of that? Survival. Okay, yeah, checks out. So the last thing we do is to kind of like check on the things that um, are not quite finished. So for the finishing touches, uh, I'll just go over those a little bit. Numbers wise, I added one more to my control and my presence. I figured those are going to be my staples. um, And I think my career pretty much reflects that. Plus one to my security, giving me the max of five. And plus one to science, rounding things out and probably just looking back on a life in space. The value that I have is actually going to be a reflection of a tie to another character. So the value I have, Kai is my little sister. So this is uh, someone who I grew up with back on Karaya 4, uh, someone whose dream it was to get into Starfleet Academy that uh, I followed. I followed that dream a little bit for her and someone I've kept in contact with this, uh, this whole time throughout my career. So that's uh, probably the overarching value uh, to my character. Is Kai in Starfleet? Kai is in this podcast. Oh. So that's uh, okay. one of the upcoming uh, character creations you will you will see shortly. I see. I see. That's a twist. Uh. <laughs> All right, Shyamalan, settle down. So at the very end, uh, you name your character, and Romulans have lots of names. But for the sake of ease, her name is Verity. She was named after Captain Admiral Picard's ship. And uh, the clan she comes from is Varel. So she is Captain Verity Varel. Uh, you, you don't want to uh, give the audience your, your full name? <laughs> oh, goodness. Okay, so the, the formal full Romulan name. All right. <sighs> okay. Uh, Varati Chawatheri Tavarel. And there, there's uh, several meanings in that. <laughs> I can't quite remember all of them. So uh, there's also a secret name that I have yet to determine. So. <laughs> <laughs> it must be the worst when like your parents are mad at you enough to use your full name. Holy God, yeah. Cool. Well, welcome aboard, Captain Varel. Uh, I'm sure that Endeavor will be a perfectly normal assignment for you that has no no stress whatsoever. Not at all. This is I'm I'm expecting uh, you know, smooth sailing. So, does anybody have any um questions they want to ask Nicole about Captain Varel from this whole process? Uh, what's the best way to impress Captain Varel on your first day? <laughs> <laughs> uh, a um Let's see. The best way to impress Captain Varel, probably when she offers you a homebrewed Romulan ale is just compliment it. Don't don't do any criticisms or offer suggestions. Just uh, <laughs> see, just enjoy. Ask them the good questions, guys. 
I'm gonna write that down. <laughs> <laughs> How much of the captain's quarters are dedicated to brewing Romulan ale? Oh, this is. Uh, I'm I'm sure that a section of hydroponics has been taken over. Okay, fair us. enough. <laughs> <laughs> the ready room is a speakeasy. Done. Yeah, when you walk in, the captain's ready room seems weirdly small compared to like all the other ready rooms we've ever seen. But that's because one of the walls is holographic. <laughs> I, I very much uh, debated converting like the um, the captain's mess into just like her brewing area. No, what you do is, is take over all of like our 10 Ford equivalent and we'll just call it the ready room. That works. There you go. <laughs> oh, that's I like that. Oh, man. <laughs> I also slightly want to give Endeavor a captain's yacht now <laughs> so that it can just be like what you run moonshine with basically you can just take it over some sick jumps occasionally <laughs> i really wanted a captain yacht. i didn't ask for one though it's all right we can build you one we have the technology Brandon, I'm actually for step one here. I'm having a hard time finding my species name. Uh, can you can you maybe help me out some of that? Oh uh, boy. Oh. You know, sure. You, you know, I I don't know that I have one. Ah. So you'd say your species is nameless to some degree. Funny that. So the direction I'm going in is unusual to say the least. This idea comes from Star Trek Picard, namely that there were members of certain species who were assimilated by the Borg and were then later on de-assimilated, only we don't have a name for them or a culture or really much of an identity. It tends to be being assimilated for a long time scrambles you know, the old memory. And if you can't recover the data banks, they just don't know. Yeah, and they're they're presumably from some some part of the galaxy that is not charted by Starfleet. Starfleet has not met them before. Yes. So and that that includes obviously Voyager's journey. So I'm not like a Delta Quadrant species they met. We just don't know where my my people come from. So I am looking to play not one of those liberated Borg, but the second generation of uh, of such. So my parents were assimilated by the collective. They were released um, shortly after Voyager's uh, arrival back in the Alpha Quadrants. And um, while it's not common for former Borg to be able to have children for a variety of reasons, I'm one of the few. So Brandon gave me sort of the, the run of it in terms of what I was going to do for, for attributes. What I settled on for this particular species was plus one to daring, fitness, and insight. So a little bit more instinctual, a little bit more like focus on the physical rather than uh, any sort of like superior intellect or things of that nature. And then I, of course, have a trait that is right now just called nameless. Makes sense. Yeah, um, I have a little note here for it that this is going to probably be an ever-evolving trait because... I don't know what all goes into it. Yeah, who who knows? Who knows who you might meet on your voyages? Yep. Do we want the nameless trait to sort of encompass also any of the like like hangups associated with being related to Borg or I, I think so. Yeah. Okay. I feel like that's all wrapped into the nameless trait since that's part of the definition basically. Okay. In lieu of being able to tell us what the name of your species is, can you give us a, a general description of what kind of prostheses, I assume, you have to wear to be an alien on Star Trek? The the note I wrote under the, the nameless tree on my end is, this nameless species has an amphibious nature mm -hmm. and possesses both lungs and water-breathing water gills and web membranes between their fingers and toes. Bone ridges line much of their body, reinforcing a lighter and more fragile skeletal structure supported by dense muscle. They have a high tolerance and preference for heat and humidity and struggle in cold and dry environments. Their complex nervous system is capable of producing strong bioelectric charges, but the purpose of that particular trait is unknown. Cool. So you're like a big salamander. 
Yeah, sure. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I did do quite a bit of research on various, you know, aquatic and amphibious earth species and things of that nature. And I do have a character description ready to go for when we're in the game. Cool. Don't worry that the the actress only had to spend like six hours in the makeup chair every morning before we start. (laughs) Yo, (laughs) no, I want a brace. (laughs) Maybe your character just should be CG or something. No. Species 8472 all over again. (laughs) Yeah, we just give up on having the character actually around two episodes in and just be like, now you have a hollow projector that makes you look human. (laughs) Wink. (laughs) (laughs) I had forgotten how little Species 8472 actually exists until I rewatched Voyager last year. Mm. Oh, boy. We're, We're not quite there yet in our rewatch, but soon. So the other thing your species will sometimes give you is a talent. I know we talked a little bit about maybe a talent you could take from a different species in lieu of having one that belongs to you to represent something. Is that what you want to do here? Uh, Yes. So I didn't have a strong like general talent or inclination for this particular one. So I decided to represent, you know, if if you're one of very few of a species, having to adapt more and interact more with other species. And there's very much a search for a culture of your own and taking Mm -hmm. the bits and pieces you like from others. And uh, so I am borrowing the Denobulin talent of cultural flexibility to represent that. You don't know where your home is. I don't. I barely know what my biology is like. (laughs) Yeah. Did you arrive in the Alpha Quadrant on a on a small pod as a baby and get taken in by farmers? Uh, no, in, as point of fact, but dang it, man, my origin could have gone in a completely different direction. Heat vision. <laughs> Space Kansas. <laughs> yeah, so I assume you grew up on a rural agrarian world. Called Space Kansas, we're done. Yes, called Space Kansas. <laughs> yeah, so since you don't have a home... Let's talk about where you grew up and your environment. Uh, why I grew up on a uh, a little planet that the audience definitely hasn't heard of uh, called Cryo Four. No, I don't know. I've heard of that one. Is it a? Uh, is it is it that one from Redemption? Uh, why yes, Brandon. <laughs> Part, parts one and two. Okay. Oh, super great. So that is a uh, frontier colony that is a uh, multicultural settlement that is in the modern day comprised of Klingons, Romulans, Exborg, and Federation colonists. Uh, I see it as, uh, well, it used to be a Romulan prison when the Federation ended up with a whole bunch of former Borg on their hands. They needed somewhere to go through that process of de-assimilation and like introducing them into their various societies. And that happened to be Karaya 4 before the Romulans arrived. And the group of nameless that remain there are there because they have nowhere else to go. So were your parents de-assimilated by the Federation? Because in Picard, we mainly see the Romulans doing that. But it's easy enough to extrapolate that it might have happened otherwise. Yes, my parents did not, uh, were not from the artifact. They were not from the Romulans cube. They were from, Brandon and I did discuss a little bit before, they were from a, uh, a sphere that got shut down. Yeah, and a Starfleet ship found it i assume yes cool were you born there then i was since it's a frontier world we have some familiar decisions to make and the ones i made for this was uh, i went with plus one fitness and uh for my discipline i took plus one medicine sort of being on that frontier colony there was a lot i had to learn as well as frankly there's a lot to figure out in terms of my own biology and my parents having still Borg implants and things like that. There's a lot of complications where you have to learn fast. Were you on the swim team? Absolutely. I was the best on the swim team. Actually, they they really didn't let me join. Actually, <laughs> actually they play basketball. So like, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> so what, what value did you pick up from living there? The value I went with is the only way to know yourself is to know others. Makes sense for your uh, situation. Yeah. So I assume part of knowing others was eventually meeting Verity. That is correct. We met back when we were in just elementary school. She used to bully me. (laughs) This is fine. Yep. (laughs) But then uh, we managed to overcome those differences and become friends. 
We'll probably tell that story in flashback at some point. That sounds like something we can certainly build on in the show. And you'll get a little bit more information on it probably after step three. (laughs) Yep. So speaking of step three, your upbringing. Presumably your parents were not Starfleet. No, in fact, the category I put them under was diplomacy and politics. My parents were originally, you know, XB activists, essentially promoting for the rights of former Borg everywhere. And then after they had me, they turned their attention more to local politics on Kariah. So they may not be you know, in charge of this growing colony, but they definitely have a say in some of the affairs and are there to lend a hand. And I found this boring as all get out. <laughs> so I rebelled against it because that was good and all, but it's always felt to me like my my folks were looking towards the past when I've always wanted to look towards the future. And so as a result, uh, I gained plus one to my fitness and plus two to my reason. And then I have what a choice of discipline and I'm leaning towards plus one command in this case. I think I've still had to do my fair share of talking to people and navigation of those more like political things. And then for a focus, this is actually one of a few places I wanted to get some input from my uh, my fellow crew members here. I was debating between something more like socially focused, like negotiation, since my folks did a lot of that or something that leans more in that scientific background I at least started to develop here, like xenoanthropology, like the study of cultures. Uh, what do people think? I think you should go the xenobiology route. Okay. Got a lot yeah, I of, think that uh, makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And you're trying to find who you are, right? Through the study of others. So I think that fits. Yeah. All right. So xenoanthropology it is. And then what talent do you want to pick up here? So there's a talent I'd I'd rather have slotted in here, but I had to reverse my next talent in this one because I didn't meet the prerequisites for the other one at this time. So I went with bold science. All right. So you're willing to uh, take a few risks. Quite a few. Quite a few, yeah. In the name of advancement. Your character science projects must have been pretty wild. Uh, they were the absolute worst. <laughs> Fortunately, my my keen interest in subspace didn't begin until after I uh, I left Karaya. <laughs> That's probably best for everybody involved, yeah. So I feel like this is the point to discuss a little bit that's not mechanical because there's actually a bit of a time skip from my step three to my step four because Kai here wanted to attend Starfleet Academy. She wanted to be a Starfleet officer, wanted to explore the galaxy and meet people and push the boundaries of science. And she took the entrance exam and failed. And she took it again and failed. And after the third time, she went in a different direction, realizing she just was banging her head against the same uh, same door and went forth and started studying science at a federation university they actually rebuilt daystrom institute had to be moved off of mars due to unfortunate incidents so yeah so instead i did something different from a step four in the science divisions splat book they give a couple other options for um sciencey or medical characters and i grabbed a research internship major so did, did your character have like what we would kind of recognize as a more, um, I don't know, for lack of a better term, normal like university life, academically speaking? Yes. Yep. She went and studied and she has a Bachelor of Science in Subspace Physics and actually went further. And what got her to her research internship is um, she was studying a doctorate of theoretical physics and wrote an interesting paper on chronoton field applications that drew some eyes as you do yep like you do perfectly normal things can you can you give us the abstract of that paper i gave you the name that's what i got right now (laughs) can you defend your thesis right now go oh no i've made a terrible decision that's it i'm not no, no longer going science uh let's just go play uh you know i'm gonna go be the janitor i think i could i think i can research that So unlike the Starfleet Academy uh, Step 4, this one gives me uh, a set number of disciplines. So this increases my science by 2, my engineering by 1, and my medicine by 1. 
Uh, I opted to go with plus one daring and plus two reason for my attributes. Continuing, I, I imagine some really awesome science projects. Just really great subspace volcanoes. <laughs> like what happens when you throw beta- baking soda in subspace anyway? We don't know. I worked with humans. We found out. <laughs> so then I get three focuses and I want these to be pertaining to a specific set of technology in a way. So one of them I went with is research by itself. I figure I've had to just push some boundaries, look up old reports, be able to find information when I need it. Another one I was considering, and tell me if this is off base, but given where we're kind of basing some transwarp technology off of, I was thinking about going with Borg technology. Yeah, I think that's uh, totally fair. Certainly given your background, but also, yeah, Endeavor likely has quite a bit of you know, not natively Borg technology anymore, but certainly things that have been reverse engineered from Borg technology, such as what Voyager encountered and perhaps what they were able to salvage from things like the, the sphere your parents were on or the artifact even. Starfleet has had a lot of opportunities to really take apart some parts of Borg technology by this point. And even though a lot of it is still kind of beyond standard Starfleet equipment technologically, there have been some definite advancements. So I think that that's absolutely a reasonable thing to have as a focus. Awesome. And for my third one, I wasn't quite sure how to put this. I definitely want it to be something theory. My kind of first pick there would be subspace theory. Um, My thought is to, in addition to governing more conventional technology like warp drive that would touch upon like the trans warp aspects and the fact I've studied subspace by itself a lot. So I might be a little bit more adept at figuring things out quickly when we're interacting with science problems of that nature. Yeah. I think subspace theory makes sense. There's still a lot of room for there to be things that Starfleet doesn't understand uh, fully about how subspace works. Okay. So not too broad. Uh, I don't think so. Okay. Because it's it's mostly warp and maybe communications in large part. Basically. Is where those things will come up, and that's fine. Like, I can deal with those things. Okay. Uh, There's one other unusual thing I get by taking the research internship uh, option, which is, um, it mentions here, in addition, the character gains a trait that reflects the research and scientific work done during their internship. And what I wanted to go with is Transwarp Pioneer. Sure. Just represent being somebody who had a hand um, in sort of the the development of this technology and might be a little bit more familiar with theories, prototypes, and problems that have plagued the project from even earlier points. Yeah, because even, I mean, we see even in Picard that like Starfleet ships still can't easily travel through transwarp conduits. And by all accounts, it seems like actual transwarp drives don't exist. And, and we're still, you know, making the assumption that transwarp drives are not a thing Starfleet can do. But transwarp conduits, or think something they're learning how to do. Yes. So I think that works and would justify why you would be on Endeavor at all. And what I have two more steps for, for this thing, which is uh, my talent I'm grabbing is walking encyclopedia. Okay. I like the sound of that. <laughs> yep. This is the one that probably should have been from my upbringing and bold science probably should have been here, but we'll, we'll go in the order I'm allowed to take them. Uh, basically, this allows me to, uh, once per session, I can spend some momentum to declare uh, a new focus from uh, my breadth of knowledge. However, it increases the complication range because I'm not a true expert on the subject. Basically, I'm very well read, but don't always know what I'm talking about. <laughs> that sounds that sound like a great thing to do and be. I adore characters who are well read, but have very little practical knowledge about how to apply those things. And then I assume you get a value. I do, and my value here is there is no room for half measures in science. Yep, that seems perfectly safe. Yep. You guys definitely aren't bringing a mad scientist aboard. Definitely not. So, Kai attended Daystrom, but I believe you've implied that they eventually get into Starfleet. Is that correct? Uh, That is correct. So the other thing the little research internship thing mentions is... uh, Often for exceptional work, Starfleet will sometimes offer a commission. Given my work on the Transwarp project and Starfleet's interest in it, I was given such an option. So uh, yeah, at this point, I managed to don the blue shirt in spite of 
having three failures on my entrance exams. So you've gotten a commit. What uh, rank did they commission you as? Because they don't necessarily start at ensign, I don't think. Uh, so no, no. I started off as a lieutenant junior grade, and I earned that commission a few years ago, back in twenty four seventeen. So I have actually spent enough time in Starfleet at this point to have it the rank of full lieutenant. So step five is the first part of career. So what value and talent are you going to pick up there from those couple years that you've been in Starfleet? So the talent I picked up is jury rig. It's a good one. I like that one. Because I've had to learn how to uh, finagle a lot of different repairs and things because things tend to break in Starfleet. (laughs) <laughs> you don't always have to repair them in the prettiest way possible. Oftentimes your captain just needs them to work. Yeah, you'd think they'd beta test the starships a little better. And the value I went with is a reflection of sort of um, how she views this whole grand adventure, which is the universe is a wondrous place. I can agree with that. So after that, we come to your career events. Now, did you pick the ones you uh, are going with or do you want to roll them? I did not pick them. But I was trying to brainstorm in terms of what were some options and things. And uh, I did roll and I kind of liked what I ended up with. Okay. Do you want to pretend like we're rolling them now? I can if you want. Uh, Yeah. <laughs> sure. What? A 16? <laughs> <laughs> I rolled a 16. The magic of podcasting. There will definitely be no bloopers here. Uh, 16 is discovers an artifact. But not the artifact, I assume. No, no, not the artifact, <laughs> though. Dang it, now I'm really sad I didn't think about that. Womp, I, womp. I mean, it would have been way too late, because the artifact was a long time ago. I guess I could have found it. Or, never mind. Maybe you you hadn't heard of it somehow. Yep. And you accidentally stumble across it, and you're like, whoa, I found a Borg cube. And everybody's like, we know. Yeah, it's been there. So the artifact in question, what I found was a like environmental sort of like armor suit from a species uh, we only know as the Iniwa. And uh, this particular suit had an inbuilt polaric dampening field that uh, I took an interest in. We discovered it on a routine survey of uh, Delta Serpentis IV. Uh-huh. And I was actually able to refit that field to assist in a data recovery mission uh, in spite of an ion storm. What um, so what does the field do? If you had to give it some kind of uh, I don't know. I feel like putting too much air in a balloon is the example people go to for the Star Trek dialogue when somebody stops the techno babble and says the thing. It's like an umbrella for ion energy and chronotons. There. All right, a time umbrella. Time umbrella. <laughs> Didn't know this was going to be a Death Stranding game, but I'm here for it. <laughs> That's a pull. Uh, so we know very little about the Inua overall, except for that they had a uh, an understanding of electroplasma systems and certain defenses and things of that nature. We've never recovered any full data banks or ships. Mm-hmm. And uh, with this career event, get increased my reason by one and my engineering by one. And then the focus I was going to go with here is is modeling and design. Specifically, that also that focus does make mention of doing things like making experimental modifications to existing systems. Sure, that makes sense. I can go with that. So what's your other career event? Uh, Let's find out together. Yeah, let's find out what that is. What's funny is I actually rolled the same thing. Oh, (laughs) it's fate, which is unfortunate um, because it's seven which is a serious injury. Oh, dear. This one uh, might need Nicole's assistance a little bit on for the direction I'm thinking. So following a anti-XB like XB protest on Deep Space Five uh, by Federation citizens, there were a few bombs detonated that killed two, two liberated Borg and badly injured me. And this was part of a little bit of a... Romulan conspiracy. Mm. We were able to ID the perpetrator, a woman by the name of Hatam Tavano, who might have potentially certain connections to other Romulan families, maybe somebody with a senator in their background. But DNA was left from one of the protest members, uh, somebody with a very uh, a history of violence uh, named Ian Blackford. However. A good Romulan buddy of mine 
managed to identify some parts of the bombs were using a Tal Shiar technique. I assume that's Nicole. I was at Deep Space Five, and when I became part of the investigation to help my good friend out, I realized that the assembly of the bomb was familiar, not just in a generic Tal Shiar type of way, but that I had seen some of these particulars before, and I was able to lead the investigation directly to identify a new suspect. Was this a Romulan action because of their distaste for sense, or was there something more to it, or is that maybe an open question? I think that's an open question on my end. Okay. Because uh, here's the other detail. We might have ID her. We didn't catch her. Ah, I see. Interesting. That's a season mystery. two right there. Yep. yep. <laughs> Why were the two of you on DS5? The ship I was serving on at the time, the Lexington, a, a much older nebula ship that was um, being used for some of the transwarp test systems. We were actually delivering some supplies out to them. What about you, Verity? I was scheduled to meet up with the USS Takedo to begin a uh, routine patrol along some uh, border space. And uh, this was shortly before my own incident. Sure. Uh, 2418 was a bad year for us. (laughs) (laughs) And and the two of you already knew each other, right? Because you had grown up together to a certain point. I assume your relationship was already pretty close by this point. This was like a chance that you'd cross paths and be able to catch up. Yeah, uh, I think when all, when all possible, I always tried to make sure that wherever the Lexington was, I can meet up with them for whatever brief amounts of time. So what does this serious injury give to Kai, Christine? Uh, so my thinking was, is that my hearing was impacted by this this whole incident that namely I uh, I went deaf mm-hmm. and I've needed access to some degree of prosthesis to restore that functionality. I'm not quite sure what to call the trait because we don't really have a uh, a name for something on this end. I can't, you know, it's not like visor. I mean, hearing it? Yeah, auditory implant, auditory processor, something like that. I think any of those are fine. However trekky you want it to sound. Okay. Because, yeah, it probably is a hearing aid in a literal sense. But uh, And then mechanically, what the serious injury gives me is um, a plus one to fitness because of the time spent on recovery. A plus one to medicine due to spending a lot of time with doctors. And uh, the focus can either reflect circumstances of the injury or something that the character took up after recovering already a hobby of mine i just developed further uh and that is cooking what do you like to cook what's your best like signature dish lately i've been really into baking bread but there's just been a lot of time on my own you know how it goes okay so uh the finishing touches on kai here a couple more points in attributes and uh discipline to round things out and then another value so i'm gonna go with plus one daring plus one insight I'm going to gain one more point in science and engineering. And uh, I'm sure everybody saw this coming, but my last value will be Verity is my big sister. (gasps) Oh, right. I I know it's shocking, right? Yeah. (laughs) Is Verity in Starfleet? Like, Verity (laughs) is on this podcast. Whoa. (laughs) Maybe they should do their character next. And now we're just stuck in this loop forever. Oh no, I've seen this episode and I hate it. First time loop, right out of the gate. I really like that episode. (laughs) Well, I guess there's actually more than one time loop episode. There is more than one. There's a lot more than one. So it does depend. Cool. Is there anything else we should touch on about Kai or anything that anybody wants to ask Christine about Kai? Oh, wait, does Kai have a surname or is it just Kai? It's just Kai. So given the whole lack of a species name and a culture surrounding it, What her people have done, what her her family is, when they reach a certain age, they will shed whatever name their parents called them and they will pick a a new name. 
and that can be derived from all sorts of cultures where her mother has a Klingon name, her father a human name, etc. And Kai selected her name because uh, it's actually one that has a lot of multicultural value. It's a name that has a meaning in dozens of Earth cultures, in Vulcan society, in Bajoran society, in Klingon society. It's pretty wide-ranging, and she liked that it was a name that sort of belonged to all and to nobody. Thank you for listening to this episode of Endeavor Through the Maelstrom. If you like the show, rate, share, and subscribe through your podcast vendor of choice. You can also find us on Twitter as at Endeavor Show. That's E-N-D-E-A-V-O-U-R-S-H-O-W. And you can find me on Twitter at Blue of the Ken. You can find me online at Twelfth Night. That's one, two, T-H, and night with a K. You can find Brandon and me discovering the ways of the Force on Heroes of the Hydean Way, a Star Wars actual play podcast at thehydeanway.com or at thehydeanway on Twitter. And if you like Vikings and Norse mythology, check out another one of my shows, a Dungeons and Dragons 5e Midgard podcast, Omens Call, which can be found at Omens Call Pod on Twitter or at omenscall.com. Thanks for listening, y'all. You can find me on all the socials at Leah617. Usually I'm on Twitter, RT and stuff that makes me laugh. Come say hi there. You can also check out mischiefmedia.com for the other nerdy podcasts that I currently produce or uh, host. And you can find me, Brad, on Twitter at MacinEbedy1. That's M-A-C-H-I-N-E-B-E-D-E number one. My Twitter is at CompleteNictory. You can find other projects I'm involved in at completenight.com. That's C-O-M-P-L-E-T-E-K-N-I-G-H-T dot com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you out there. Hey folks, this is Brandon. Thanks for listening to our first episode of our Session Zero for Endeavor Through the Maelstrom. If you want to meet our other two characters, the second part of our Session Zero is in the feed next. If you want to skip ahead to get into the beginning of our real adventures, that one is also available. Episode 1 of our first arc. Thanks so much for taking the time to check our show out, and we hope you enjoy.